now, broadcasting from behind enemy lines, deep in the trenches of the Patriot resistance, leading the charge in the battle for liberty, this is the Jason Feely Program. Hello, folks. Jason Veely here. This is the Jason Veely Program. Thanks for tuning in. The email address, if you want to get in touch with me, the Jason Veely Program at gmail.com, or give me a call, 860-266-2852. So Joe Biden delivered a speech last night on his first 100 days in office. It's really, as far as I understand it, it's actually his first 99 days, but who's counting? Um... His speech was exactly what I said it was going to be on the podcast yesterday. Filled to the brim with lies and half-truths. I watched a good part of it. Not the entire thing, but I saw large segments of it. What do you expect me to sit down and watch the, the entire damn speech from start to finish? You're crazy. Um, I, I, couldn't, I wouldn't be able to get through it. But I did watch enough to know that, again, as I said, it was filled to the brim with lies, misinformation, half-truths about COVID, about the economy, the state of the economy, and predictions, quote-unquote, for the economy going forward, lies about firearms and and the Second Amendment, lies about policing and, and racial justice in this country, lies. The man lied through his teeth for an hour and a half. Now, a few points, we, we have a lot of audio to get to uh, in, in tonight's show. And actually, next segment, I'm going to play the longest audio clip I've played on this program. I want to play the, the majority of the rebuttal delivered by uh, Senator Tim Scott because I thought it was phenomenal. Um, it, it's The whole thing was about 15 minutes. I cut it down a little bit, but I do want to play the majority of that speech because, like I said, I... I, I um, I watched it start to finish, and I thought it was an incredible message. So we're going to play that, and then we have some sound bites to get to from Joe Biden himself. We'll see if we could get through those. But a few points before we get going here. First of all, no recognition whatsoever for Donald Trump and his work with Operation Warp Speed to get the vaccines produced and distributed as fast as he did. No credit whatsoever to Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, when he was talking about COVID, he took a couple of shots at Donald Trump. So that's first and foremost. I thought that was absolutely sickening to not even give credit where credit was due to Donald Trump. People, people, I hope people don't forget, but the truth is Donald Trump is the one who kicked this whole thing in motion. Donald Trump is the one who allowed us to have vaccines right now. If it weren't for Donald Trump, we wouldn't be here right now. That's the absolute truth. Joe Biden can go out there and try to claim credit for it. Um, He didn't do really a damn thing. And for him in his speech last night to bring up COVID, to talk about vaccines, and not even give credit to Donald Trump, I thought was just pathetic. Talk about... Talk about unifying the country, by the way. If, Don, if, if Joe Biden really wanted to unify the country, he would have given credit to Donald Trump. That would have been a great way to do it. Or at least, um, you know, at least partially. But he didn't. He attacked Donald Trump. So he doesn't care about unity. He, he cares about attacking the right. That's the first point. Second of all, zero mention of the crisis at the border. Nothing on that. And that, too, I thought was just astonishing. We have this crisis going on right now at the border. Illegal aliens, or or I guess not illegal aliens yet, technically, migrants coming up from, from south of the border, overflowing our detention centers, trying to get into the country any way they can taking advantage of, of Joe Biden's lax immigration policies it's a crisis at the border, and it's expected to get worse. Joe Biden didn't address it. Now, he addressed immigration a little bit and talked about how, you know, it's time to grant amnesty. But as far as the specific subject of the crisis at the southern border, 
Joe Biden didn't mention it. I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe it. And yet, in in another way, I could believe it because Joe Biden wants to avoid that at all costs. Pay no attention to what's going on. And third, ladies and gentlemen, did you see Nancy Pelosi? I mean, honestly, she has seen better days, if I may be so blunt. Jason, that's sexist. Well, so be it. It's not sexist. It's the truth. Nancy Pelosi has seen better days. Now, let's get into some audio here. Uh, First, Joe Biden on what he's calling the American Families Plan. Now, what you're about to hear, ladies and gentlemen is a Democrat president talking about massively expanding the size and scope of the federal government. The same way FDR did decades before. Massively expanding the size, the role of the federal government and the welfare state. That's what you're about to hear. Take a listen. We also need to make a -a once-in-a-generation investment in our families and our children. That's why I've introduced... The American Families Plan tonight. Now, let me stop right there. We need to make an investment. This is going to be painful. We need to make an investment, he said, in America's families and children. Folks, this is America where we're supposed to invest in ourselves. We're supposed to look out for our own interests, our own families, our own children, and not have the government doing it. That's the point. The government isn't supposed to be holding our hand like this. That's not, that's not the role of government. That's not government's responsibility. We're individuals. We believe in the individual in this country. So right off the bat, right off the bat, first line of, of the uh, audio we're going to play. Unbelievable. All right, let's, let's keep going. Addresses four of the biggest challenges facing American families and then turn America. First is access to good education. When this nation made 12 years of public education universal in the last century, it made us the best educated, best prepared nation in the world. See where he's going with this? I believe the overwhelming reason that propelled us to where we got in the 21st, in the 20th century. But the world's caught up or catching up. And by the way, while we're on the topic of education, wonder what Joe Biden thinks of the rampant indoctrination that goes on in classrooms and in colleges and high schools. What about that? I'm just curious, because if you're teaching kids to hate this country, that's not progress. That's not the best education system in, in, in the world. That's a, a Marxist education system. wonder what he thinks about that. Waiting. I would say parenthetically, if we were sitting down, we set a bipartisan committee together and said, okay, we're going to decide what we do in terms of government providing for free education. So boring, by the way, isn't it? I wonder whether we'd think, as we did in the 20th century, that 12 years is enough in the 21st century. I doubt it. 12 years is no longer enough today to compete with the rest of the world in the 21st century. Oh, my God. That's why my American Families Plan guarantees four additional years of public education for every person in America. Guarantees. Starting as early as we can. All right, stop. Guarantees four additional years of public education. From who? The government? Is the government going to be paying for this? What he's setting up to say is something along the lines of universal pre-K and free uh, tuition. Free tuition for um, community college. Now, it's really not free, is it, ladies and gentlemen? When they say the government is going to pay for these things, what he really is saying is we the people are going to be paying for these things, meaning the taxpayer is going to be subsidizing someone who wants to take advantage of free, quote-unquote, pre-K or free, quote-unquote, community college. It's really not free. It's Americans subsidizing other Americans. That's crucial to understand. Crucial. But keep listening. The great universities in this country have conducted studies of the last 10 years. It shows that adding two years of universal high-quality preschool 
for every three-year-old and four-year-old, no matter what background they come from, puts them in a position to be able to compete all the way through 12 years. So let family, so let families make that decision. If it's beneficial, as you, as you say, I don't know what study or experts you're citing here, Joe, but if it really is beneficial to send your kid to pre-K, let families do that. That doesn't mean we need to subsidize it or pay for it or make it free, quote-unquote. All right, that's enough of that clip. That's Joe Biden on the American Families Plan. Let's move on to the American Jobs Plan. American Jobs Plan, where he gets into uh, the economy and how he'll create so many millions of jobs by taxing the rich and uh, spending us into oblivion. Independent experts estimate the American Jobs Plan will add millions of jobs and trillions of dollars to economic growth in the years to come. It is a... let, Let me preface this. Let me set this up. The government doesn't create jobs. The free market creates jobs. In other words, jobs are created when government gets the hell out of the way. The private sector creates jobs. That's that's the the root of job creation in this country. It's not the government pouring money into this initiative and this initiative and this initiative. Listen to how he talks. The government, we will create jobs. This government, we will we will fund this and fund that. Creating jobs. No, no, no. The the government, the best way for the government to create jobs is by getting the hell out of the way. Getting the hell out of the way. That being said, let's keep listening. It is an eight-year program. These are good-paying jobs that can't be outsourced. Nearly 90% of the infrastructure jobs created in the American Jobs Plan do not require a college degree. 75% don't require an associate's degree. The American Jobs Plan is a blue-collar blueprint to build America. That's what it is. You're going to be destroying this country. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot build or grow an economy by spending the way Joe Biden is spending. Two trillion here, one trillion here. You can't do it. That is hindering growth. You cannot build an economy by taxing the job creators. You know, the the evil wealthy people, the top 1% who the left tells us don't pay their fair share. That doesn't grow the economy. You grow the economy when you slash taxes, not only for the rich, but for everybody, regardless of class. Let them invest. Give them the opportunity to grow their businesses. That's how you create jobs. That's how you grow an economy. Reagan did it. Trump did it. Here's Biden ruining everything. Ruining everything. Liberals don't understand how to create jobs. They don't understand how to create a healthy, sustainable economy. Why? Because they don't believe in the free market. They believe in redistribution of wealth. That's what they believe in. Keep listening. And it recognizes something I've always said in this chamber and the other. Good guys and women on Wall Street, but Wall Street didn't build this country. The middle class built the country, and unions built the middle class. And then he gets into his big uh, pro-union spiel. Unions built the middle class. We have a middle class because of of the free market system. We have the best economy in the world because of the free market system, which, by the way, has taken more people out of poverty, lifted more people out of poverty than any other system on earth. The free market system did that. Just in case you didn't know that, Joe. Here's uh, more on the American Jobs Plan. And by the way, while you're thinking about sending things to my desk... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars. Yeah, there it is. Can't talk economy without the no minimum one. wage. No one working forty hours a week. No one working forty hours a week should live below the poverty line. Why not? Why not, ladies and gentlemen? The the minimum wage wasn't created to be a livable wage. 
That's not the point of it. The minimum wage was created to give young people a chance to enter the workforce for the first time, to experience what it's like to have a a work schedule, to get into work on time, to be responsible, to be accountable. That's what the minimum wage was created to do, to be a stepping stone, a stepping off point, so to speak. That's the minimum wage. It was never meant to be a, a livable wage. At all. At all. But the liberals don't understand that. We need to ensure greater equity and opportunity for women. Here we go. we're doing this, let's get the Paycheck Fairness Act to my desk as well. (laughs) Equal pay. It's been much too long. It's bringing that one back. The, The gender pay gap, which has been debunked more times than I can count. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I heard, um, I saw a clip from PragerU, Dennis Prager uh, mentioned this for the first time I heard it anyway, so I'll give credit where credit's due. If there was a gender pay gap, that is, if women were getting paid less than men in this country, what kind of an employer would ever hire a man? If that employer could get away with getting the same amount of work and and at the same time paying less money for that work by hiring women, why wouldn't employers everywhere be hiring nothing but women? It'd be cheaper. But that's not the case. It's not the case. This whole gender wage gap is a complete myth. It's been debunked over and over and over again. Yet the left repeat it over and over and over again. All right, so there's Joe Biden on the American... Jobs plan. Moving right along here. Then he had to bring up the climate crisis. Yes, the climate crisis. Take a listen. The climate crisis is not our fight alone. It's a global fight. Of course. The United States accounts, as all of you know, less than 15% of carbon emissions. The rest of the world accounts for 85%. That's why I kept my commitment to rejoin the Paris Accord, because if we do everything perfectly, it's not going to only matter. I kept my commitment to convene a climate summit right here in America with all the major economies of the world, China, Russia, India, European Union. And I said I'd do it in my first 100 days. Good job. You want a cookie? I want to be very blunt about it. Yes. I had my attempt was to make sure. Okay. Come on. That the Spit world it out, could Joe. see there was a consensus that we are at an inflection point in history. The consensus is if we act to save the planet, we can create millions of jobs. All right, this isn't about jobs. Everybody knows this isn't about jobs. Going green, this whole climate change push, it's not about creating jobs. Republicans know it, and quite frankly, Democrats know it, and you, Joe Biden, know it. You know it. It's about more government. It's about more government in our lives Government telling us what kind of cars we can buy, what kind of refrigerators we can buy, what kind of toilets we can buy. I mean, it's about massive government creeping into our lives. That's what it's about. It's about control, giving authority to the government so that they can bully us and coerce us through different departments like the damn EPA and so on and so forth. That's what it's about. So let's just be clear. Economic growth and opportunity to raise the standard of living to most everyone around the world. If you watched any of it and you were all busy, I'm sure you didn't have much time. That's what virtually every nation said, even the ones that aren't doing their fair share. The investments I proposed tonight also advance the foreign policy, in my view, that benefits the middle class. That means making sure every nation plays by the same rules in the global economy, including China. My discussions, in my discussions with President Xi, I told him... All right, let me, let me be wo- clear. Other countries haven't been contributing their fair share to the, to the Paris Climate Accord. Um, what, what's going to end up happening is America is going to be uh, doing our best to make our commitments that have been outlined in this damn treaty... Uh, And our economy is going to suffer as a result. And meanwhile, other countries around the world, like China, are going to be laughing at us and not and not doing what they said that they would do. 
In other words, America's getting screwed. That's really what this is. So that's on the climate crisis, quote-unquote. Joe Biden went on to say that he's going to hold China and other countries accountable and make sure they're, they're holding up their end of the bargain. They're meeting their commitments with regards to this fight on climate change. Joe Biden's not going to do a damn thing. He's not going to hold anybody accountable. He's not. What, Joe Biden's going to stand up to China? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I have a few more audio clips when I return. Don't go anywhere. This is the Jason Veely Program. Conservatives, how many times have you been called a racist by someone on the left? What about sexist, bigoted, homophobic, xenophobic, right-wing, radical extremist? These are all buzzwords that liberals use as a means of labeling conservatives as something that they're not. And let me tell you something, I, like most of you, am getting pretty damn sick of it. That's why I started my own conservative comedy series, Living with a Liberal. Hosted on the popular video-sharing app TikTok, Living with a Liberal features two fictional characters, played by yours truly, whose political differences could not be more obvious. It's a comedic take on the modern-day liberal Democrat, because if they can brand us as racists and bigots, we can brand them as triggered, oversensitive snowflakes. Check out Living with a Liberal today on TikTok. Just search Jason Veely and you'll be taken right to my homepage. I have over 100 episodes on there, so you won't be short on content anytime soon. Enjoy. Are you a pissed off liberal that wants to give me a piece of your mind? Or maybe you're a conservative that simply has a question or comment. Either way, you should know that there's a few different ways you can reach me. Feel free to send me an email at thejasonveleyprogram at gmail.com. Or if you prefer, you can also call the show number and leave me a voicemail. 860-266-2852. Be sure to provide your name and where you're writing or calling from. Thanks a lot. I look forward to hearing from you. Alright folks, welcome back to the show. We're uh, going through some audio clips from Joe Biden's speech last night on his first 99 days in office supposedly 100 days but i think technically it was 99 um you know as well as i do that the first 99 slash 100 days in office for joe biden has been chaos it's been filled with um rate i mean where do i begin it's been filled with tension division Crisis after crisis, um, spending, it just goes on and on. But Joe Biden got out there last night and tried to paint an entirely different picture that he's doing um, good by the American people. He's been successful and he's making America, well, he's making America great again, don't you know? Unlike Donald Trump, who was actually making America great again. Anyway, here's Joe Biden on race and police reform. Mm-hmm. Take a listen. My fellow Americans, we have to come together to rebuild trust between law enforcement and the people they serve. All right, stop. If he really meant that, if he really meant that he wants the police and the people they serve to come together... For there to be trust rebuilt between the two. He wouldn't be saying the things that he says. He wouldn't be doing the things that he does. He and his surrogates on the left wouldn't be trashing the cops every damn chance they get. They wouldn't even be entertaining the idea of defunding the police. They wouldn't be labeling the cops as racist talking about systemic and institutionalized racism in this country and in the police force. If they wanted to bring these two groups together, again, the cops and the people that they serve, why are they talking like this? They're dividing us. They're dividing those groups. 
They are putting more and more tension between the cops and the people they serve. They're not healing or unifying a damn thing. To root out systemic racism in our criminal justice system. There it system, is. And to enact police reform in George Floyd's name that passed the House already. I know Republicans have their own ideas and are engaged in a very productive discussions with Democrats in the Senate. We need to work together to find a consensus. But let's get it done next month by the first anniversary of George Floyd's death. We'll talk about the country that supports this reform, and Congress should act, should act. We have a giant opportunity to bend the arc of the moral universe toward justice, real justice. And with the plans outlined tonight, we have a real chance to root out systemic racism that plagues America. America What's systemic racism? I, I mean, honestly, they always throw this term around and never back it up. I don't know what they're talking about. Systemic racism. Joe Biden has even said in the past that the majority of police officers are good people who serve their communities honorably. Okay, great. But then he turns around five minutes later and says, but they're systemically racist. What? Now, this um, this George Floyd policing bill that Biden was referring to there. Let me talk a little bit about it because I, I did a little research. Basically, what it does, folks, is it's an attempt to federalize the police. That's what it is. Among other things, it establishes a training program to cover implicit bias, racial profiling, uh, and, and other nonsense. Mandatory training to talk about how cops are racist even if they don't know that they're racist. Mm-hmm. It limits less, uh, less lethal force. It ends qualified immunity, which is interesting because I actually talked about this in depth um, a few weeks ago when I was talking about Vanita Gupta um, and, uh, and, and what she's going to be doing at the Department of Justice. Vanita Gupta was asked a question about qualified immunity. She was asked um, whether or not she supports ending it, and she wouldn't say at the time. She kind of skirted the question. Now, it's confirmed that the Biden administration, yes, they do want to end qualified immunity. Now, for those of you who don't know, put simply, qualified immunity makes it more difficult to sue police officers. And the idea behind it is we want police officers out there serving our communities, not tied up in court. That's the idea of qualified immunity. But now it's going to be ending it if this bill passes and police, I, I guess, can be sued for, for whatever. And the problem, again, with it is, is they'll be tied up in court. It'll, it'll take focus away f- from police doing what they're supposed to do, protecting us, going out in our communities, saving lives, and instead having to worry about legal battles. I, I don't know. I, I just find that very, very dangerous and a slippery slope. It'll also nationalize, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, it'll, I can't read my notes here, a national police uh, misconduct registry will be available to the public. So see what I mean by federalizing the police force, making it more and more national? And then states will also have to send misconduct reports, I believe every month, to the attorney general federalizing it. Mark my words, that's the the direction that they're going in. But as history has shown us, the federal government really can't run a damn thing. So that'll, I'm sure, end fantastically. So that's that. Now we get on to firearms and the Second Amendment. What did Joe Biden have to say about this? Take a listen. I don't want to become confrontational, but we need I do. Sen- you know what? I want to become confrontational, Joe. So please continue. I don't want to become confrontational, but we need more Senate Republicans to join the overall majority of Democratic colleagues and close the loopholes required in background check purchases of guns. 
We need a ban on assault what, weapons. What loop? Can... You know, they. I've said this so many times, and they keep bringing it up, so I have to keep responding to it. The gun show loophole, it's a myth. It's a, it's a complete myth. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, even if there was some kind of loophole at gun shows, which there's not, where's the data? Where's the evidence that suggests that these people who are getting guns and going out and shooting innocent people are getting those guns from gun shows, are exploiting the gun show loophole, and then going out and killing people? I mean, is there any evidence whatsoever that targeting gun shows will decrease violent gun-related crime in this country. Is there any evidence? No, because it's a knee-jerk reaction. And yet the Democrats have been obsessed with this for years. The gun show loophole. Capacity magazines. High-capacity magazines. Don't tell me it can't be done. We did it before and it worked. Talk to most responsible gun owners and hunters. They'll tell you there's no possible justification for having 100 rounds in a weapon. Oh, let me stop. I guarantee he's wrong. He's going to go on and tell us what, you know, just any common, any common sense gun owner will tell you this. Any common sense gun owner will gladly turn in his weapons and surrender his Second Amendment rights. Yeah, any common sense gun owner will tell you that. He's going to speak on behalf of millions of law-abiding gun owners in this country. And he's dead wrong. He's dead wrong, I'm telling you. L- listen to this. Go on, Joe. What do you think, deer wearing Kevlar vests? What? What's... They'll tell you that there are too many people today who are able to buy a gun but shouldn't be able to buy a gun. Again. These kinds of reasonable reforms have overwhelming support from the American people, including many gun owners. The country supports... Stop me. speaking for us. Stop speaking for us like everybody agrees that we should just set, surrender our Second Amendment rights. Stop speaking for us and for gun owners in this country. Form this, and Congress should act. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue. And no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Here we go. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Oh, uh, classic From line. In the very beginning, there were certain guns, weapons, that could not be owned by Americans. Certain people could not own those weapons ever. Okay, but, but what we're talking about, Joe, I know it's a little hard for you to stay focused, but what we're talking about, actually what you're talking about, is completely unreasonable. I know you like to steer the conversation whenever we're talking about the Second Amendment to a, a point of, well, what do you think? Americans should just own, be able to own any kind of weapon? Should Americans be able to buy tanks or, or nuclear weapons? That's not what we're talking about. The debate is over whether or not Americans can have a reasonable right to self-preservation. I think owning an AR-15, for example, which you liberals call military-style weapons, is a, an example of having a reasonable right to self-preservation. That's reasonable. Completely reasonable. And yes, protected by the Second Amendment. Anyway, that's that. I would say I encourage you to go out on your own and listen to the entire speech, but uh, I wouldn't recommend that, honestly, because I think you'd go insane. Um, so that's, that's all I had from Joe Biden. We made it through, ladies and gentlemen. I know it was tough. But we made it through. We made it through. And by the way, with with regards to firearms, what they're trying to do, in case you weren't aware, is they're trying to pass H.R. 127. Which, among other things, would create a nationwide database for guns and ammunition. Uh, It would require... Um, people to notify both the ATF and the AG when loaning a gun to somebody. So if I wanted to loan a gun to my father or my brother, I'd have to get the government involved. Yeah, that's not a violation of the Constitution, is it? An annual $800 gun insurance fee 
Unbelievable. Additional uh, license for military-style weapons, quote-unquote, meaning, again, guns like the AR-15, you need an additional license on top of your just general firearm license, making it harder to get to, to protect yourself, right? That's what this is doing. And then a ban on um, magazines about that can hold more than 10 rounds. And there's more in the bill, too. Look it up. It's H.R. 127. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I, I believe the House has passed it, and um, it's it's waiting on, on the Senate. But there's that. All right. Let me play a little bit of... Tim Scott's speech. I don't know how much of this we'll get to. What I did was I broke up his speech into three different parts. Um, One five-minute segment, one four-minute segment, and another two-minute segment. It's not the whole speech, but I I took the good parts to play for you guys. And again, I rarely play audio clips that are this long. But I thought his message is fantastic. His message is fantastic. Take a listen. Here's Tim Scott offering the rebuttal to Joe Biden's uh, speech last night. Listen. Good evening. I'm Senator Tim Scott from the great state of South Carolina. We just heard President Biden's first address to Congress. Our president seems like a good man. His speech was full of good words. But President Biden promised you a specific kind of leadership. He promised to unite a nation, to lower the temperature to govern for all Americans, no matter how we voted. This was the pitch. You just heard it again. But our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. We need policies and progress that brings us closer together. But three months in, the actions of the president and his party are pulling us further and further apart. I won't waste your time with finger pointing or partisan bickering. You can get that on TV anytime you want. I want to have an honest conversation about common sense and common ground, about this feeling that our nation is sliding off its shared foundation and how we move forward together. Growing up, I never dreamed I would be standing here tonight. When I was a kid, my parents divorced. My mother, my brother, and I moved in with my grandparents, three of us sharing one bedroom. I was disillusioned and angry. And I nearly failed out of school, but I was blessed. First with a praying mama. And and let me say this to the single mothers out there who are working their tails off, working hard, trying to make the ends meet, wondering if it's worth it. You can bet it is. God bless your amazing effort on part of your kids. I was also blessed by a Chick-fil-A operator, John Moniz. And finally, with a string of opportunities that are only possible here in America. This past year, I've watched COVID attack every rung of the ladder that helped me up. So many families have lost parents and grandparents too early. So many small businesses have gone under. Becoming a Christian transformed my life. But for months, too many churches were shut down. Most of all, I'm saddened that millions of kids have lost a year of learning when they could not afford to lose a single day. Locking vulnerable kids out of the classroom is locking adults out of their future. Our public schools should have reopened months ago. Other countries did. Private and religious schools did. Science has shown for months that schools are safe. But too often, Powerful grown-ups set science aside, and kids like me were left behind. The clearest case I've seen for school choice in our lifetimes, because we know that education is the closest thing to magic in America. Last year, under Republican leadership, we passed five bipartisan COVID packages. Congress supported our schools, our hospitals, saved our economy, and funded Operation Warp Speed, delivering vaccines in record time. All five bills got 90, 90 votes in the Senate. Common sense 
found common ground. In February, Republicans told President Biden we wanted to keep working together to finish this fight. But Democrats wanted to go it alone. They spent almost $2 trillion on a partisan bill that the White House bragged was the most liberal bill in American history. Only 1% went to vaccinations, no requirement to reopen schools promptly. COVID brought Congress together five times. This administration pushed us apart. Another issue that should unite us is infrastructure. Republicans support everything you think of when you think of infrastructure. Roads, bridges, ports, airports, waterways, high-speed broadband. We're in for all of that. But again, Democrats want a partisan wish list. They won't even build bridges to build bridges. Less than 6% of the president's plan goes to roads and bridges. It's a liberal wish list of big government waste, plus the biggest job-killing tax hikes in a generation. Experts say when all is said and done, it would lower wages of the average American worker and shrink our economy. Tonight, we also heard about a so-called family plan, even more taxing, even more spending to put Washington even more in the middle of your life from the cradle to college. The beauty of the American dream is that families get to define it for themselves. We should be expanding opportunities and options for all families, not throwing money at certain issues because Democrats think they know best. Infrastructure spending that shrinks our economy is not common sense. Weakening our southern borders and creating a crisis is not compassionate. The president is also abandoning principles he's held for decades. Now he says your tax dollars should fund abortions. He's laying groundwork to pack the Supreme Court. This is not common ground. Pretty great, huh? Not half bad. I'm going to take a quick break. More from Senator Tim Scott and his rebuttal when we, when we return. Stick with me. Are you a pissed off liberal that wants to give me a piece of your mind? Or maybe you're a conservative that simply has a question or comment. Either way, you should know that there's a few different ways you can reach me. Feel free to send me an email at thejasonveleyprogram at gmail.com. Or, if you prefer, you can also call the show number and leave me a voicemail, 860-266-2852. Be sure to provide your name and where you're writing or calling from. Thanks a lot. I look forward to hearing from you. Mike and Crystal. Hey Mike, have you heard of the Jimmy Z Show? Yeah, Crystal. The Jimmy Z Show is awesome. Which topic do you like most? I like them all. They are all lots of fun. Do you have a favorite? I just like Jimmy Z. His voice is so hot. Okay, but what about his politics? What politics? The politics he talks about on the Jimmy Z Show. I never noticed any politics. All I hear is the velvety smooth dulcet tone of Jimmy Z's sizzling, sexy, scintillating voice. Holy mackerel. The Jimmy Z Show. The Jimmy Z Show is available on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, and iTunes. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. Trying to move quickly here so we can get in as much of Senator Tim Scott and his rebuttal speech as we possibly can. Here's cut two. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this. I Again, I loved it the first time I listened to it, and I, I, uh, I, I think you guys will too. Listen. Nowhere do we need common ground more desperately than in our discussions of race. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around the store while I'm shopping. I remember every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would open the newspaper and read it, I thought. But later I realized he had never learned to read it. 
He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege. Because a relative owned land generations before my time. Believe me, I know firsthand our healing is not finished. In 2015, after the shooting of Walter Scott, I wrote a bill to fund body cameras. Last year, after the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I built an even bigger police reform proposal. But my Democratic colleagues blocked it. I extended an olive branch. I offered amendments. But Democrats used a filibuster to block the debate from even happening. My friends across the aisle seemed to want the issue more than they wanted a solution. But I'm still working. I'm hopeful that this will be different. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. I'm an African-American who has voted in the South my entire life. I take voting rights personally. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And so do the voters. Big majorities of Americans support early voting and big majorities support voter ID, including African-Americans and Hispanics. Common sense makes common ground. But today, this conversation has collapsed. The state of Georgia passed a law that expands early voting, preserves no-excuse mail-in voting, and despite what the president claimed, did not reduce Election Day hours. If you actually read this law, it's mainstream. It will be easier to vote early in Georgia than in Democrat-run New York. But the left doesn't want you to know that. They want people virtue signaling by yelling about a law they haven't even read. Fact checkers have called out the White House for misstatements. The president absurdly claims that this is worse than Jim Crow. What is going on here? I'll tell you, a Washington power grab. This misplaced outrage is supposed to justify Democrats' new sweeping bill that would take over elections for all 50 states. It would send public funds to political campaigns you disagree with and make the bipartisan Federal Elections Commission partisan. This is not about civil rights or our racial past. It's about rigging elections in the future. And lastly, folks, the final two minutes of his speech, I, I think his closing remarks um, were, were some of the best moments of, of his entire rebuttal. Um, take a listen to this. Our best future will not come from Washington schemes or socialist dreams. It will come from you, the American people, black, Hispanic, white, and Asian, Republican and Democrat, brave police officers in black neighborhoods. We are not adversaries. We are family. We are all in this together, and we get to live in the greatest country on earth. The country where my grandfather in his 94 years saw his family go from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. So I am more than hopeful. I am confident that our finest hour is yet to come. Original sin 
is never the end of the story, not in our souls and not for our nation. The real story is always redemption. I am standing here because my mom has prayed me through some really tough times. I believe our nation has succeeded the same way because generations of Americans in their own ways have asked for grace and God has supplied it. So I will close with a word from a worship song that really helped me through this past year of COVID. The music is new, but the words draw from scripture. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you. In your weeping and your rejoicing, he is for you. May his favor be upon our nation for a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children. Good night and God bless the United States of America. Fantastic. That was Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina delivering the rebuttal to Joe Biden's speech last night. You know, folks, let me close with this. America really is at a fork in the road right now. You see what Joe Biden's doing to the country. You see the liberals cheering him on, dragging him further and further and further to the left. We're at a fork in the road. We have a choice to make. We need to decide what type of country we are. We need to make that decision. Do we believe in big bloated government or limited government? Do we believe in the collective or do we believe in the individual? Do we believe in lawlessness or or do we believe in law and order? Do we believe in socialism, redistribution of wealth, or do we believe in the free market system, and capitalism? Do we believe in totalitarianism? Or do we believe in constitutionalism? Do we believe in tyranny, or do we believe in liberty? Joe Biden and his ilk have made it very, very clear what they believe in. It's time for us patriots to go on the offensive and stand up for what we believe in. It's going to be a long four years going to be a very very long four years but trust me we'll we'll get through it we just need to fight we need to fight all right my friends that's it for the week i'll be back on tuesday hope you have a great weekend god bless god save this great nation